Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily for the 13th of February as the Flyers wrap up a four-game homestand. And uh, our sorrows go out, really, to the Philadelphia Eagles on what was a heartbreaking defeat against the Kansas City Chiefs on a very subjective call. But joining us on this episode, I'm going to get his thoughts on that as well. You read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? Uh, I've been better, but, uh, you know, not not uh, not, the, not the best of weekends, sports-wise. Yeah, it really wasn't. Um, you know, we're taping this in full transparency right after, I mean, minutes after the Eagles went down in the Super Bowl. You hate to see officiating it's a very subjective call and I, you know at certain points in any game let alone a game of that magnitude that is a tough tough call to make you know if you're going to call a holding penalty to me if you're actually grabbing on to the guy pre- preventing 10 potential touchdown there or something that was you know the, fr- the free hand was on his side there it didn't really affect the play in any material way that, that's a that's a pretty pretty tough call you know, yeah. I, I, and I would say that the, the other way, too. That would be that'd be yeah. a tough way for KC to lose. So totally agree. You just never want to see you want the game decided by players. You just don't yeah. want to see it to, decided by officiating. Well, Bill, let's talk about this four game homestand that the Flyers just wrapped up yesterday uh, with a loss against the Seattle Kraken. It had a little bit of everything. You know, the first game against the Islanders, the Islanders really came out and controlled the first period of play. The Flyers played a good following 40 but couldn't score. They lost two to one. Then Thursday, that in Winnipeg, the game against Edmonton, were probably the two best full game performances all season. That was the 2-1 win. And then they have the 2-1 loss in overtime against the Nashville Predators, and they wrap it up with a 4-3 loss. All games are close, but in all fairness, the cracking game, the score may have been 4-3, but it certainly didn't feel like after watching it that it was a 4-3 game. No, no. Um you know, Flyers they really didn't really didn't give up many shots either, but that was deceptive also because when I mean, the puck was in their end, they decided majority of the game. You know, the, the puck possession really belonged to Seattle. Um, you know, their their pursuit of the puck um, is no joke. I mean, they're they're always on you, and if you make a mistake, they will take it. I mean, you know, the if you if you look at that game, the Flyers had twenty four turnovers in that game, uh, fourteen Seattle takeaways, which is a ridiculously high number for a game and plus plus 10 flyers giveaways you turn the puck over 24 times you're not going to win period no i mean that that's it's unbelievable you know the flyers had i think 20 total shot attempts going into the third period with 10 shots yeah. and then in the third period they had 26 attempts and maybe that's one of the things that frustrates Storts in a season that hasn't had many outliers from a readiness to play standpoint, that was one of those games. Is that the, is there a little byproduct there of three and four days and really tight games in the three previous games? And I'm sure a very mentally taxing game against, uh, you know, the Edmonton Oilers and pretty taxing also with the tension in the game against Nashville. Is that just one of those things that you got to chalk up to where it fell in the 82? Or is this something that Torts will be concerned about? Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a, piece of the puzzle right but um i mean truthfully you know they're playing seattle was same situation now they they did have an off it wasn't off day but it's still three and four they, mm-hmm. they played thursday you know, yeah they, they played thursday friday 
So they had Saturday off without a practice. That's just a rest day. And then another game on Sunday afternoon. So that's not really a, a huge fatigue factor disadvantage. I, I mean, I do think that uh, the intensity of those games and a couple of them going overtime, one going to a shootout, that certainly, that certainly played into it a little bit. Um, you know, the, it was weird because the Flyers actually came out really well or to start the game. First five minutes. Um, first five minutes. Yeah, you know, you keep keep your feet moving. You, you draw two power plays. You get a power play goal. Even the other one, you know, at least the, the first unit moved the puck pretty well. So, and on the first power play, the second unit scored. Um, you know, so it's a start you want. And then and after the turnover up ice, uh, D'Angelo turn went over. It goes the other way. And, I mean, the Flyers, the Flyers had – Four nothing in shots in the first about three and a half minutes of the game, and they didn't have another shot the rest of the first period. That was yeah. eleven in a row. You know, I, I I can't really chalk that up to fatigue. Um, I, I do think the Flyers looked a little heavy leg, but the thing is, when your legs are heavy and you're the end of one of those stretches, you have to keep things very simple, playing north, and win those. You know, win win at least uh, your fair share of the fifty fifty battles, and none of those things really happened. Um, yeah. you know, the, the Flyers really were behind in everything. And it, it really wasn't until uh, Brown's shorthanded goal in the third period that all of a sudden they had a little sliver of life. And then they had, they had some legitimate chances that tied the game up, you know, in the final, even in the final half minute of the game. Um, but that's a, that's a hard, that's a hard way to play. Um, you know, and I, I'm not putting, I'm not putting any of it on, on Felix Sandstrom, but again, you know, he didn't see a lot of shots, and one clutch save would have been nice. It might have changed the whole complexion of the game. I'm not, I'm not saying they lost because of goaltending. Um, I don't think Grubauer was tremendous either. I and he, he also it's just, those are hard games for a goal. You're not seeing a lot of shots, and you do see a few you don't really have much of a chance on. But um, you know, it, it's hard. It, it was a game that the Flyers deserved to lose. Um, but uh, you know. It, this game, they actually, this game, they actually be able to, to come up with three goals on the night, which has been a bit of a struggle for them. Um, they yeah. they only had one one goal in regulation every all, each of the first three games of the homestand. So um, you know, and, and it was uh, another game, the second game of the last two of the last three, where Konecki doesn't have a shot on goal, which had been months since he hadn't yeah. had one. Uh, Hayes sure. didn't have a shot on goal. Um, you know, the Flyers' best line, truthfully. Um, was the Brown line, was the fourth line. And that was the one line that was actually creating some, some sustained puck possession, some pressure. And uh, they got the, you know, they had the, the nice sequence where uh, JVR scored on a double deflection. And that was a nice little three-way passing play. Um, Frost slipped a puck to, to tip it. Tip it gets at the net and then JV, and then JVR double, double deflects it in. But uh, just, just, you know, not, not enough, not, not enough. As you said, 10 shots through two periods, 20 attempts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, just, not uh, nearly just, enough. Uh, that's not going to get it done. I think the thing that's going to bother Torch the most is that they came out of the room ready to play. They started out the game very well and then, you know, just pulled the, you know, put a pin in the balloon and everything just kind of fell apart. So let's talk about that moment. You, you referenced it where Tony D'Angelo uh, kind of has that turnover just inside the crack and blue line. It goes the other way. It kind of turns into a two on one because Sealer's busting it to get back. And he tries to influence it as best he can. It's not a traditional two-on-one. He never skates backwards on it, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, but that play and the play of Tony D'Angelo, 
Um, Bill, we know what he brings offensively. Nobody's oblivious to that. And he can push the pace and he can make a good stretch pass and he's got good offensive instincts. But right now his defensive game is a real, real issue. We, we saw this a year ago, um, you know, with, with Keith Yandel, where it got to a point where Yans was unusable. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's kind of getting to that point with, with Tony because they have him in the third pair. Um, you, you know what he can do up ice. But some, you know, the sometimes the risk reward decisions on plays, they they lean too far on the risk side, where he'll take himself out of position or turn a puck over, and they don't recover from it. Um, you know, the that whole third goal sequence, um, and that was a that was a just a a really really weird scrambly kind of shift. But you know, it, it it's a play where. D'Angelo had a chance to kill the play early on, and they they end up running around on their their zone. Uh, you know, Allison and others were contributors to it. It's not all just one player, but it's it's hard. I mean, he 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 earned his minus three on the day, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, and then uh, that's going to happen to everybody occasionally, but it, it it's happened happened too often. I mean, yeah. if you look at the if you look at the Flyers, um, five on five goals for and goals against you know they're they're running they're on the negative side but not that much it's not like a year ago where they were just killed at five on five and if you look at d'angelo at about minus 19 minus 20 at this point you know sometimes it can be deceptive sometimes it, it can tell you something it's one of the cases where it tells you something because no matter what what pairing they've tried them on it you can't hide them out there right now and yeah. you know and, and and that's an all due respect to everything he, he can do up the ice and and can be can and has at times been quite effective doing that, but you know you you do have to look at the defensive liability part of it, and and it's it's been a, it's been a problem. I mean, you know, especially when goals have been hard to come by as a team. Yeah. Um, you can't and, give out you know, free lunch. You can't give no, free lunch. No, <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. And the Flyers, you know, the Flyers were uh, Flyers won this game on special teams. You get a shorthanded goal. You get a power play goal. You're yep. plus two with special teams on the day, and there was there was a reason, and I don't I don't think if you asked, uh, it surprised me actually, and I, I know how well Seattle's played, but I didn't realize, I didn't realize they were the the highest scoring team in the NHL at five on five, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and if you look at the the personnel, you know they they have some quality players, but it's not not a roster you're going to look at and go, you know, this is the kind of team that's going to lead the league. It's scoring at five on, but you can see five on five, but you can see why because yeah, they're very I mean, it's crazy because they the they don't the closest they have to a point per game player is ten points below the game amount of games played. Right. <laughs> I mean that's right. I mean we and, see and, some and teams have five. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah, so. Um you, you mentioned Felix Sandstrom and you know you want to save on one of those. The two on one uh, on a D'Angelo turnover, I mean that's a really tough one, obviously. Um, but the Jaden Schwartz one, which turns out to be the game winner. And again, it's it's on its glove side, Bill, where down low pucks below the hash marks. He goes into RVH and down on his knees. And when the puck comes back out, now Schwartz is in a great spot there. And he he lets go a beautiful shot and beats some high blocker just inside the bar. But he never regains his feet. And we've you and I have talked about this a lot. I've talked about it quite a bit on the uh, post-game shows with Brian Smith. That in that situation, he's got to regain his feet because he's never going to be able to elevate, especially that blocker side to get it up high enough to be able to make a save on one of those shots. And NHL players can do that. He's gotten roasted there 
two times on the glove and now two times on the blocker. And that's yeah. pretty much the same situation. And, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. And, you know, you talk about a goalie making himself small in the net. Mm-hmm. And he went down so early that there's a lot – he was able to pick his spot. And he hit it. He hit it. It was, it was a great shot. And, you know, from, from a good shooting area. So that's not all on the goalie. But, you know, an NHL, an NHL shooter, a guy like Schwartz, good player, He's, he's going to hit that spot. Uh, Sandstrom didn't give himself much chance to make a save unless, unless the shooter makes a mistake. Yeah. And, you know, shoots into he, he puts himself, he puts himself yeah. in a position there where a good, perfect, a good high shot under the bar, he's not going to be able to get either the glove or the blocker to it. He's taking right. away the bottom. I know York was kind of cruising through and you are worried about the bottom third. And I probably wouldn't harp on it if I hadn't, we hadn't seen this. Uh, multiple times this season, especially on that glove hand side and his post integration there. That's where it, he seems to really like to stay in it. And he's got to get out and get regain his edges because that's a simple block. Boom. He's just punching that thing away. If he's on his feet, he's got more save uh, selection at his disposal. Um, you mentioned TK as well, Bill. Um, it's been what, seven, seven games now without a point. We know the heater. He went on 10 game streak where he had 20 points, but he's really hit a tough patch here. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that has to play with a lot of energy and with some risk. But I think part of the equation that we're seeing here is we're not seeing him attack the middle of the ice again. And, you know, his scoring went up when he really did that. And that wasn't, you know, by circumstance. That's because if you want to score goals, go where goals are scored. And TK's yeah. got to get back to that ASAP. I, th- I think that I think that's one half the equation right there is getting yeah. to the scoring areas. The other part of it was in the last few games they've conceded him some shots and he's uh passed up the shots to look you know to look for a pass for the, the perfect play for a slam dunk and i know that it can happen with on a team-wide level when you're struggling to score but i want him shooting the puck i mean yeah. you know when when he was going well he had no hesitancy to shoot and uh you know the, the flyers the flyers need that from him and i mean uh, other guys too farabee's another guy who's been passing up a, a ton of shots um so I saw something odd today. I, I don't I don't recall seeing a guy drop the drop the gloves and the stick, and there's no unsportsmanlike conduct penalty there. It's yeah. right right in the middle of the ice too, you know. How, there's no way the refs didn't see it. I mean, they're cleaning up the mess as the play went on for another forty seconds. <laughs> that, was, that, that was definitely one of the stranger things I've seen. Um, I, I fully fully expected an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. It's automatic and. I would, you know, they just say play on. So, yeah. Um, You know, Torch has been talking a lot about, Bill, you know, different elements with the team and teaching moments and, you know, games like that 2-1 game against Edmonton, even the 2-1 overtime loss against Nashville. And the you got to learn to win games that way because eventually when, God willing, soon you become a playoff team, you got to be able to win those games in the playoffs because you're going to play far more of those than you're going to play five, two games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's when it pays dividends. There's a cumulative effect to his coaching, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But, um, you know, he kind of alluded to it too. You know, there's who's going to be here, a part of this, and who's not is still a huge question mark for a lot of guys. I don't know if we thought in the beginning of the year that we'd have more concrete answers on some or most or some number. Um, But I think there's still a ton of variables there. Um, with who is going to be a part of this and who may not be. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's becoming increasingly clear as those decisions are made, John Turrell is going to have a lot of pull, pull in those decisions. Right. Yeah. 
Um, you know, that's uh, so there, there might be some guys that uh, management may want to keep. And he goes, no, I, I, I don't see it. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's those, it's going to be very interesting, interesting to see how all that plays out. Um, you know, I, I think that, I think for other guys, you, you might want to take a little longer look and not make hasty decisions, even on, even on a one-year sample together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but the, there's still definitely, there's still definitely work to be done with this team. You, you, you see that they get into some games where, you know they they're competitive. They they don't get blown out. They don't quit on games. Even the, even this one came right down to the finish. But you you can see there's just the the teams that win those games. They they bring an element of being able to take control at, at key moments. And you know one thing one thing that Torts talked about um, before the season, and you can even take it back last year. Mike Yo mentioned it several times. One of the things that developing as a team, developing an identity, is when you know when when things are going well for your team, it, it's kind of easy for everybody to play, and they can produce and and all that. You know, once the momentum ball gets rolling, it's when things are going against you, and, and who are the guys who come in and you need a big shift to stabilize things. You need a, you need a big play made sometimes out of nowhere. Who are the guys that are going to step up and do that? Um. You know, uh, at, at times this year, uh, a guy like Scott Lawton's been able to do that, but but you don't expect it from him all the time. You know, he's he's not that kind of he's not that kind of real front line guy. He's a very good supporting player. You know, but they they really they really need more guys that when things are going against them, um, make that play to turn things around, or when the game is tied and and uh, you know maybe possession is going the other way, who come in and, and they visibly change the momentum even even if it's just for a few shifts and it creates a little window of time to do it they're still looking for some of those guys to step up and i think that that's an area where i think most of the young players on the team still don't do that yet and yeah. i think that that's uh that that's something that hopefully you'd like to see emerge over time but i know that's something that that tortorello wants to see as part of that part of that bigger picture of uh, that bigger picture identity and that's uh Again, that, that still is a work in progress. That's not there yet. Yeah, you need a couple guys that can jump in the in the pilot seat and pull back on the stick and get the nose back up on the aircraft. <laughs> You're starting to plummet a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things too is, um, you know, you mentioned it. Some of these guys, not all these decisions have to be done by the end of this year. Some guys are going to earn the right to a longer look. You know, it's not like you're going to go through 82 games and go, okay, here's who's here for the next three to five. And here's who's not, it's not going to be quite so with some guys, it may be defined very definitively and to finalized, but not all guys are going to be in that situation. A lot of guys may, okay, it was a progressive step forward. We still need to see more uh, before we're going to commit to you long-term, but um, you know, those decisions uh, are going to be kind of dealt with on a player by player basis. Uh, road trip now, Bill. They're going to head to Seattle. It's not a true home and home because Seattle is going to make a pit stop in beautiful Winnipeg in February on Tuesday night and wrap up their five-game homestand. Then the Flyers will face uh, Seattle uh, 10 o'clock on Thursday night. It's a four-game road trip. You're going to see uh, Seattle Thursday and then uh, Vancouver Saturday, also 10 o'clock. Then President's Day Monday, it'll be in Calgary at 4 o'clock. And then they'll wrap it up in Edmonton. Um, 
their next Eastern Conference opponent doesn't come up till the 24th, nine days from, or 11 days sure. from now. Um, but uh, this is a good time for them to get on the road, get back together and kind of remove some of the noise and and get back to uh, playing some road hockey, which sometimes is a little more structured. Yeah, it is. And the Flyers have been a better road team than than home team so far this year, probably for to some extent for that very reason that, uh, you know, you keep things simpler on the road a lot of times. You're not um, there to entertain. You're there to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that uh that next game, circle in the calendar, that that Oilers game, because the Flyers face the same challenge that they did mm-hmm. last game, but this time, this time they're going to be in the back game of back to back. They're not going to be rested this time. Um, it, it'll be their third game in four nights, all on the road, and you have a team that you just frustrated and shut down with, you know, guys like McDavid and Drysital. That is going to be one bear of a game. As hard as as hard as that was getting those points. Uh, against Edmonton at home, that that's a game where that is a real uphill climb. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. But as you said, there there's there's few few games before that, and uh, you know, see what the Flyers can do with those games. I mean, it's not it's not about contending for a playoff spot. Really, it's just about continuing to try to get better. And uh, you know, it when you look at the you look at a lot of these back to back and three and fours, a lot of those games. You know, a lot of those games on, on uh, Felix Sandstrom's uh, loss record here have been those have been just those games. Yeah. You know, uh, and and uh, to a large extent, it has not been his fault. The Flyers just have not been very good in those kind of games this year, and that's yeah. that's part of getting better as a team too. Yeah, I mean, let, between starts for him, it was all the way back in that home game against Winnipeg. The Flyers lost five to three, and then yesterday, three weeks to the day later, it's a tough. Uh, to, to play only once every three weeks, especially when you don't have a ton of experience. Um, it's going to be interesting. Last thing, Bill, it's going to be interesting to see how Torts does deploy his goalies on this trip because, you know, you're facing Edmonton in that last game of the trip, the three of the three in four days. You have a game the day before against a good Calgary team. Carter lives in Edmonton or is from Edmonton. Uh, does he draw the Oilers and Sandstrom draw Calgary on this trip? Uh, I would be that would probably be my sense of how it goes. I don't think Sandstrom gets two games though. No, no, I, I, I don't think he does either. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Torts isn't sentimental that way, <laughs> if yeah. uh, you know, or most ways. <laughs> well, bring up but, Carter's uh, numbers uh, in Edmonton playing against the Oilers, and Sandstrom he, will start that game. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's been, yeah. I mean, he's been, you know, he's been very good against uh, against the Oilers and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. I, I think if we'll see how, we'll see how the trip starts, and, and they'll go from there. But uh, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me. It's uh, you know, it's it's also clearly not working to go with that other rotation where your backup is the one getting that that last game of the stretch. So you know, I neither way would surprise me. Uh, I I don't expect Sam Erson to be to be called up for the trip. Um, he's not far. I mean. You know, they 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 want him starting. They want him starting a lot of games. Coming um, off a shutout in the AHL too, a three nothing goose yeah, egg. Yeah, fifteen save shutout, uh, which can be a hard game for a goalie though, because mm-hmm. he went long stretches. There was one stretch where the Phantoms had I think seventeen of nineteen shots, and it wasn't even shot attempts. The puck was just always down, uh, you know, in the the other end of the ice. So it, it was wasn't even like he was seeing routine shots or shots that missed to keep him busy. That could be really hard. All, all of a sudden, a two-on-one is coming at you, yeah. and 
And there were there were, there were a couple stretches uh, where he got busy, you know, for um, uh, three, four shots and, you know, outbursts, particularly late in the game. Uh, they had to kill a penalty. Um, a lot of times you almost shut down your engines a little early, though you want to get them, get your guy the shutout. So, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't earn the shutout, but it was uh, thankfully, thankfully he didn't have to work too, too hard for that one. But they weren't they weren't going to start him. They weren't going to come up and start in three straight games. Um, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if they're going to stay with uh, Oli Leakcell to on the trip. I I guess they will. Um, it, it I don't think it worked out that well in, in you know in the uh, last game they made they definitely made that switch fairly early in the game to move him to the fourth line and move Allison yeah. up. Um, you know, and and Torres doesn't always have the longest leash with players. Um. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Because we were just talking about Tony D'Angelo. I mean, could, could they at some point go back to a 7-D, 11-forwards situation where Braun is splitting five-on-five five shifts with D'Angelo and D'Angelo's getting power play time? I mean, all, all that's on the table. Yeah, especially with a very busy road trip, too. You have, you know, you can rotate a fresh guy in there on occasion, although running the 11-7 and seven with all those games is pretty tough, too, on the forwards because one you get one fight, one guy gets hurt, and you're really in a tough, tough spot. So the Phantoms team's rolling right now. So uh, good job to Lappy down there. Bill, great stuff as always. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, another brand new episode. Uh, no game day episode until Thursday when the Flyers will head to Seattle to take on the Kraken. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks. And uh, uh, check out Bill's stuff on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on a Tuesday edition of Flyers Dale. Come to decide that the things that I tried were in my life just to get high on. When I sit alone, come get a little known, but I need more than myself this time. Step from the road to the sea to the sky, and I do.